price for Friday, September 8th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Gogo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport looking for a nibble, try the apron at the Western Wall YVR. Eat locally fresh. Eat well, Matt Sikaris, alongside Blake Price. Grace Ass Hidden Switches conducting things in this show presentation of Applewood Auto Group, where right now you can get great deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. Or how about the Infinities, the QX50, the QX60, which I can attest to, at least from 3.99%. And Applewood's 25th anniversary sale is on with no charge maintenance packages with purchase and a chance for you to win $25,000. Boy, that sounds... Yes, worth it. See dealer for details. Just a test drive. It's all you need to do for the chance to win 25K. You just take a test drive. That's, that's all good. Yeah. Winning 20 foot. 25K. Thank I, think we can add, I think we can add very. That's very good. <laughs> Bodog poll question today. Is Quinn Hughes the best choice at Canucks capt- as Canucks captain? Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet 32 Thoughts pointing in this direction. And really, we've been pointing in this direction for several weeks, if not months now. Uh, became clear towards the end of last year that Quinn Hughes was being more assertive vocally in the room, in the press, with fans. It's also becoming clear that Elias Pettersson is uneasy with this franchise and its direction and needs to see more. He may well not want the captaincy to begin with, regardless. And so, you know, given where we're left, given what's what's left here, if Elias doesn't want it, and of course, who knows if he'll be here at this time next year, I voted yes. Fair enough. Empower Quinn. Make him the captain. He's got the longer-term deal. He's going to be there, be here. He wants to be here. I was pretty. And 50, I liked what I saw and heard from him last year. I was pretty 50-50 on him or Patterson. Uh, I think there's strong arguments to be made for both. Um, both are hard workers. They lead by example. Um, there's a few things I would say to tip the scales maybe on the defensive side of things. A defenseman sees the ice differently than a forward does. They're behind the play a lot, and so they they can offer a little better perspective perhaps. Hey, you missed that on the left winger as he was going up the boards, whereas the centerman may not have we noticed keep, that. We keep doing X. Let's stop doing that, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, he's well, on I'm the, talking about uh, the dialogue with officials. Oh, that too, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he also is on the ice more than anybody else. Right, like he's going to be on the ice for six minutes more than probably a lot of the forwards. Yeah, so that makes some sense too. Right. Vote at Sakarisim Price. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker, strategy, sports odds, and Bodog line of the day from me. I told you yesterday, against all good reason, I'm I'm picking Dallas to win the NFC this year. I'm just not picking them Sunday night, as any gambler knows, right, Grady Sass. Mm. There is typically a premium on the Cowboys and Packers. Their fans tend to bid them up a little bit. You're getting three and a half points with a Giants team at home that made the playoffs last year. Give me big blue on your Bodog line of the day. So Hughes inching towards the captaincy. The other thing we wondered, and I didn't necessarily love the idea at first because I think this team was ready and this organization was ready for a captain and a leader in Bo Horvat's wake, but it sounds like there's not going to be three alternates, which is, I know a form of leadership that our friend John Shannon has spoken up on, has spoken up on behalf of, and we'll talk to John later in the show, and how others seemingly have organized their leadership, not just in the NHL, but across other leagues and across, really, society. Yeah, I mean, 
with regards to the National Corporate Hockey League. messaging, you also hear our leadership team. Yes. Now, in, in some ways, I think it's more honest because it tells the story that it wasn't one person arriving at this decision on their own. In other ways, I think it sort of helps shelter the president or CEO or whomever that they're not standing alone on an island, that they have a group of people with them. You know, in government and in private enterprise, though, like often it ultimately you've got all your capos, your leadership team, but there is one person that ultimately has to make that decision of, yeah, we're going to acquire that company. Yeah, we're going to do X as an action uh, on recommendation often from a VP or, or what have you. But it ultimately comes down to one person. Those sort of decisions don't have to be made in, in sports. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the lead, the leadership team is the is the big uh, is the big push and mm-hmm. and you know it, it also it's, it's going to differ from team to team like ultimately like does Le- Leon Drysaddle have a say in that but of course he does he's got a lot of years under his belt now but it is Connor McDavid's team mm-hmm. you know so it, it, sometimes it's just a little more obvious and a little more cut and dry yeah. than in other situations well of course and you know is it Hughes's team is it's Pedersen's team and particularly beyond this year, yeah, right? If yeah. Elias is unwilling to sign an extension here with the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get to yesterday's poll at the end of the show. New procedure there on reporting yesterday's poll results. We started that yesterday, as it turns out. But Philip Peronic features in that. And Daniel Wagner with a an interesting article on mm-hmm. Vancouver is awesome on Philip Peronic and his offseason training. And I'd heard this before from NHL players that they tend to lose a fair bit of muscle mass over the course of the season because of just how taxing. Folks, think about those sla- uh, those snapshots in your mind of the players in the conference finals of the NHL playoffs. Yeah. They look withered. They look emaciated. <laughs> yes, like they really do. They've lost mm-hmm. everything. And so, but they got a big beard. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> they gained weight in the face. The beard bushier, everything else leaner. Um, but there are before and after photos there of Philip Ronick and what he looked like at the end of the season and what he looks like now. And this has apparently been a routine for Ronick with a a trainer and a gym in the Czech Republic, his home nation that he goes back to and. And uh, trains under for 12 weeks. Um, As Wagner writes, it's a pretty stark transformation. And the primary goal of the training was to first increase muscle mass and strength and then transition to more dynamic and explosive speed exercises in the final week. So build the muscle back up and then get more explosive. And look, Ronick looks in fantastic shape. And you have to think that he's looking at this as a new lease on life, a new lease on career, and, of course, the potential to hit a pretty big jackpot at the end of the year. He's a restricted free agent after this season. We had heard after the trade from Detroit that he was really looking to cash in. And if that's the case, and I've argued this for most of the summer, that he's in a contract year and that Detroit thought maybe he would be a little too expensive for their liking – to me, that's a good thing because that means this is a very motivated player. Yeah, coming in here to Vancouver. No, and the the proof is right there. And uh, also, you know, again, I think it's a really good sign that the injury is behind him and that he's ready to be a 
full participant and everything right from the get-go. Uh, no excuses. So it's uh, it's a positive sign. I mean, we're mm-hmm. seeing that across the board now, I think, for a lot of the returning players and new players, that there's there's a lot of motivation to hit the ground running here for this team. They, mm-hmm. they know that the start matters. They know they can't be digging themselves out of holes. Um, the only question mark remaining might be McKay's availability on opening night. For the most part, it sounds like everybody's ready to roll. Yeah. And speaking of great starts, and it's just preseason in the Swedish Hockey League, but first round, Jonathan, first round pick Jonathan LeCaramacchi with another goal today. Follow Chris Faber for his exploits. Yeah. Uh, goal scorers, goal too. Picked a corner from some distance. Never finished the season, finished the playoffs. Didn't finish the season that well. Finished the playoffs on a tear. Right. From, Which somewhat redeemed a very uneven season yeah. for LeCaramacchi. And so we wondered, was there going to be any holdover carryover from that form? Well, especially Maybe since there is. it was the Elsvenskan. It wasn't yeah. even the top tier of Swedish hockey. That's right. But he's had a sensational start here in the preseason. From yesterday, I should just add. But it was his fourth of the preseason. You said today. Don't, oh. want, don't want you to end up on Oh, his okay. Well, I got your back. Don't yeah. worry. It's okay. We, we understand. Nevertheless, uh, this is a prospect who needs to redeem some of the luster of being a mid-first-round pick from a couple of years ago. Everybody loved his shot. Everybody thought he might be the best goal scorer in that class. Well, he's shown his wares here in the early going in the Swedish And again, league. full 19-year-old season. Full 19-year-old right. season. So he could arrive at Canucks training camp next year, mm-hmm. just a mu- you know eight weeks removed from turning 20. Yeah. No, you know, it's well, and I think when he was drafted, you were talking about an underdeveloped guy yeah. who really was a one-trick pony. There was plenty of development there, both physically and I think on ice, in a more of a well-rounded game. You know, to steal the phrase, Blake, I think he was two years away from being two years away when they drafted him. I, I look, he may if he well has a make... decent season uh, this year. I would love to see him in Abbotsford next year. Yeah. And it's possible he plays games, NHL games next year. But I, I, I think you were looking, I think he was always going to be a guy who was on sort of a longer development curve than maybe some of the other prospects in that draft. Is he kind of the contingency plan, perhaps, to Brock Besser being the one-shot scorer that everyone hoped he was? Yeah. Contracts expiring after next season, kind of aligns right. when you think he'd be coming into the lineup? Very well put, Grady. Yes. Well, I, well, and that, not that's, just that might be a little bit aggressive yep. for yeah. I'd rather him arrival. More time in the A. Well, and of course, the other thing the Vancouver Canucks have to guard against is they have rushed prospects to their detriment. Yeah. I mean, it's Jared twofold. McCann, Jer, uh, Jake Vertanen, Vasily Podkolzin. I mean, I, I say that's rushing, but I mean, two more full seasons again. One one full SHL season, one full AHL season. No, mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe it's not unreasonable, right? Uh, but it's not just Besser. Uh, Kuzmenko expires after next year. Hoaglander's an RFA after next year. And we're saying next, folks, not this. Yeah, not next. this coming one. Yeah. Two seasons from, two yeah. more years. Yeah. So you have a number of wingers who could well be playing elsewhere. Well, and, a, and final decisions made on guys like Hoaglander and Pod Colson as well, right? So, like, there's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we're going to learn what. A lot of runway. Yeah. A lot of runway between now and then, you know, not to mention the guys who are in the final year of their contract this year, which include Dakota Joshua and Anthony Beauvillier. So, uh, Canucks continue to skate 
informally. And we look forward to next week and Young Stars in Penticton. And we'll have more to say about Penticton and Young Stars next week. But needless to say, looking forward to getting up to the South Okanagan again. It's a fantastic weekend. And hanging out with our dear friends from Yellow Dog Neighborhood. It's going to be a blast. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the weather cooperates and um, the hockey does too. Yeah. And I think we're going to get rosters very shortly on that, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Heartbreaker for Canada. They lose in the FIBA World Cup semifinal against Serbia, 95-86, preventing them from a berth in the gold medal game. Team USA loses two, though, to Germany. So a couple of upsets here in the FIBA semis. Serbia shot 62% for the day. Yeah. And 45% from the three-point line. And I saw Canadian coach Jordi Fernandez beating himself up a little bit, saying, when you see shooting percentages that high, obviously we weren't well prepared. He's shouldering a lot of blame. You know, when I covered the NBA, you'd occasionally get coaches. Sam Mitchell said this all the time as the Raptors coach. You know, there are some nights... When the ball's going in for the other side, you just have to tip your cap and say, this was your night. Right. And you shoot 62% overall yeah. from the field in an international basketball game. You're going to win a whole lot. Shea Gilgis-Alexander held to 15 points, 10 below his tournament average. Canada was into early foul trouble. We discussed yeah. this with the Rashmadani yesterday, Blake, that... The big FIBA yeah. officiating and the propensity for fouls. And really, they escaped foul trouble in that Spanish game that they needed to win to get into the, into, uh, the next phase. So this was at least a second time in a knockout game where Canada was where Canada was flirting with the officials' whistles and getting themselves into some trouble. It screwed up the rotation a little bit. Yeah, they were like nine guys in early in that game. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to woe is me now. Like The good thing about Germany winning is that now there's a smelling salt here for the bronze medal game. You get of, your test. You get your chance to 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 push the Americans off the podium. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if I'm the Canadians. Rare is the day. I like that, that, that is too tasty for me to sleepwalk through a bronze medal game. In fact, I think it might only be the Athens Olympics where the USA... Was off the podium, and right? Then, oh, there has to be a World Cup where they. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll go back and look, but in this would be, of course, if Canada wins, they get the bronze medal here. This would be for some the most significant international medal in men's basketball since the 1936 Berlin Olympics, right? When they were the silver medalists, Blake. Those were the Hitler games. Wow. Way back, like, that's how long ago we're talking. Now, we've had some achievement in the past, and of course, you know, shout out to Howard Kelsey and Al Chris Manson and Leo Routens and everyone who was a part of that, that 83 or 84 World University Games win over Carl Malone and Charles Barkley and a very good Team USA. But that's World University Games. This is the World Cup, previously the World Championships, and the Olympics, of course, are the two big ones. And of course, Canada will be going to the Olympics next year in Paris, which is actually a easier tournament to navigate a little bit. Yeah. Much like in women's soccer, we've had this debate as well. A smaller field, a little more inclusive of the world over, not quite the heavyweights and the powers that come yeah. from a given region. And while we're out at it... 2019 and 2002, by the way. What's that? Off the podium for the Americans. Oh, really? Yeah. 2019 and 2002. Yeah. 
So that's the Athens Games in 02. It's right. This is in the World oh, Cup. Oh, this is just the World Cup yeah. or World Championships. Yeah. Yeah. Did they not lose to was it Puerto Rico in Athens, if I'm not mistaken? Oh, yeah. Um, that was the quibbling team that Larry Brown oversaw with LeBron and AI, AI and others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and while we're at it, Shout out and kudos to Penticton's Gordy Herbert, who is the head coach of the German national team, for their upset victory over the U.S. True of NBA players there that make the difference. I want to say we had Gordy on the show years and years ago. Uh, You know, this Canadian and British Columbian has made good coaching in the international and FIBA ranks. So good on good on Gordy and the Germans. That's a that's a terrific victory for them. Canada had beaten Germany. In the um, did they beat Germany in the pre-tournament? Yes, it was, yes, yeah, because it was only the one loss in in the pre-tournament. Canada, by the way, has not hosted the World Cup of Basketball since 1994, and I believe that was the hundredth anniversary of the of the invention of the game by yeah. Dr. James Naismith, and that's why it was brought to Canada. It's too bad that they've already doled out the 2027 World Cup to uh, <clears throat> Qatar. Really? Yeah. Goodness. Um, but maybe 2031, and uh, hopefully this uh, NBA mm. rush of players continues for Canada. Uh, baseball, and one of the things that, and we tracked this all last September, and we were all sitting there going, could it be finally a playoff series between the Mariners and the Blue Jays, the two expansion cousins, for the first time ever? And of course we got it. We've been updating you and telling you about the Blue Jays and the M's and where they stand vis-a-vis the AL West for Seattle and, of course, the wild card for the Blue Jays. But what's coming into focus here, Blake, is it's going to be very, very difficult for these two teams to meet in the wild card round. Um, As it stands now, Tampa has a very big advantage here on both Seattle and Toronto for the first wild card. And, of course, the first seed or the best seed in the wild card round will be the winner of the American League Central, either Cleveland or Minnesota. So that team's going to play the final wild card, and Tampa is going to have the home field against the the second wild card. So if Seattle wins the AL West, they actually get a bye. They don't even have to play in the wild card round. But if they don't... They're likely going to be the second or third wild card, and the Blue Jays are pretty much just fighting for the second or third wild card so far back in the division. I mean, I leave open the possibility. But there's that not Tampa much separating those four teams. Baltimore, but the bottom line is, you're looking. Stars would really have to align to get a rematch of last year yeah. in the wild card series. Yeah, you're likely to see them on different tracks. And in the case of the Mariners, if they win the division, you won't even see them in the wild card round. Right. But anything is possible once you make the playoffs, and maybe mm-hmm. it's down the road. Mm-hmm. Unlikely. Right. Okay. Well, we want to do, want to tell you about some things that we got coming up here on Secure Some Price and Rank Wide. First and foremost, I know, you know many have chosen to roll out their programming here during the Labor Day week when everyone is back. We were going through the summer, and we're still a couple of weeks away here from Vancouver Canucks players touching the ice in a preseason game. So we're going to tell you more about what we've got coming up on Secure Some Price and on Rinkwide in the weeks to come. We have been seeing your questions, and yes, we can report that Andrew Wadden is no longer a part of Rinkwide, 
we'll be saying more about the things we've got planned for rinkwide and for secure some price in the coming weeks, but would be remiss if we didn't say a hearty thank you to Andrew for all his efforts and contributions to both Sakarison Price, where he was served as producer on the digital side of things and previously in our radio days, and of course as the co-host of Rinkwide Vancouver, his contributions were very much appreciated and we wish him the best. We also want to say we were delighted to play a couple of weeks back in the National Golf Course Owners Association charity tournament at Hazelmere. We did so because a great friend of the show, Jeff Seco, the late Jeff Seco, was being duly honored at that event. We lost Jeff back in the spring, and we participated to help raise funds for a new benevolent fund that was set up by the National Golf Course Association in Jeff's name, and very pleased to report that we raised $22,000 that day, all told. So thank you to everybody who came out and played. And our own Jeff Patterson emceed the event, right. did a fabulous yeah, job. Yeah, he sure did. Okay. So uh, very touching to see that uh, there was good money raised here to help folks out going forward in the golf world. Let's get to the menu. And today on the show, we have both John Shannon and Captain Greg Bell of the News Tribune in Tacoma looking forward to the Seattle Seahawks season, Blake. They get going Sunday at home against the L.A. Rams. Of course, the big Thursday nighter. How about the Detroit Lions? Yeah. yeah. Well, they, I wasn't ready to buy them. And and you have to be careful how much you buy them. I think they're going to be better for sure, but how much better, we'll, we'll see. But that's a nice statement. And and there's a reason why the Chiefs lost. There's a lot of reasons. Well, Kadarius Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not to mention who <laughs> was not catch the ball. Not to mention six. who's out of the lineup and and changeover. Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, hey, I don't think anybody was predicting the Chiefs were going to go perfect. No, on the season or even at home, it's just a little bit weird to see that happen. That's so early. just a massive win, though, for the Detroit Lions, yeah. who many believe are going to take the next step this year. Uh, they're the odds-on favorite to win the NFC North, and God, it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. They've got an old-school motivational head coach in Dan Campbell. If you saw the post-game locker room and how he addressed the team, he's a lot of fire, a lot of brimstone. You don't see a lot of that anymore in coaching ranks. It's more of the calm, cool, poised, I got this type, but Campbell's got some fire in his belly. And that's a sensational win on the road against the defending Super Bowl champions. And Patrick Mahomes, Blake, we had talked about how perfect he had been with zero interceptions on opening week in his career versus 18 touchdowns and all these victories. Well, Kadarius Toney just handed one to the Lions last night, a pick six. And I was one of the guys who thought that Toney was a sensational pickup for them last year because he's kind of a Tyreek hill profile player just not quite as fast and he was beneficial to them in getting to the super bowl and winning the super bowl last year but uh he does have his issues as the new york giants and their fans will tell you and they came home to roost last night and does he make a one point difference yeah i think you can argue he makes a one point difference do those lions finish above your bears in the division well I, i i think i think so i think they're a better team top to bottom i uh i'm hopeful not but if jared goff stays healthy i think that's a pretty interesting team he's got some weapons around that oh st brown they have a great offensive line like that offensive line is extraordinary it might be one of the best if not the best in the nfl and they're getting better on defense too so 
Yeah, I, I think they're further along in their build. They have more of the component parts than do the Bears, or quite frankly, maybe even the Packers and Vikings do. And frankly, for a fan, and you know, I don't often say this about teams that are division rivals of my team, but frankly, given what the fans there have been put through for 30 years, I think there's a little bit of everybody who could be happy for the Detroit football fan. They're one of the most maligned. Yeah, they are. Fan, I mean, you know, think back to they never won a Super Bowl. Of course, you got to go back, I want to say, to the 30s or 40s for the last NFL championship. So, yeah, um, it would be quite a story in the Motor City if that team emerges from the NFC. Also on the show today, S versus P, our debate segment. And we'll we'll get to some hashtags, the best or worst of Twitter, featuring Pew Suter. This upcoming Hockey Canada report on the 2018 World Junior Team and uh, CFL ratings that just keep on keeping on. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed. All good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit here's some breaks from wall center presentation applewood auto group across the applewood auto group they want to invite you to the red carpet event this month it is a lot of fun as the Applewood Auto Group celebrates its 25th anniversary in style across all brands. So whether you're looking for Nissan, Infiniti, Kia, Mitsubishi, what have you, everybody's rolling out the red carpet. That means an impressive lineup of brand new vehicles, and every vehicle purchased during the special event includes a lucky envelope filled with prizes valued up to 1500 bucks. And if you take one for a test drive, you'll be entered for a chance to win a whopping $25,000. So this is the time to upgrade the ride and take advantage of a big, big event. It's the 25th anniversary of the Applewood Auto Group. Bodog poll question today. We are asking you, is Quinn Hughes the best choice for Canucks captain? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. You know how Hockey Canada... If a Canadian team is playing for bronze, typically we get a little uneasy because we say, huh, we're out to win gold at every hockey tournament. Bronze just won't suffice. And how we've seen some pretty lame efforts from Canadian sides when the stakes aren't gold. Different here, isn't it? Well, I think the same applies to USA basketball. Like, they don't ever enter a tournament thinking, let's medal. It's all about the gold. Whereas Canada can still get its most consequential international basketball result in some time. So I'm going to take the seven points in the Canadians against Team USA at the FIBA World Cup in the bronze medal game on your Bodog line of the day. Well, I never thought we'd see the day, but here's John Shannon in a rental car 
with John Gibbons somewhere outside Lloydminster, Alberta. Well, there, there's you? my per, there's there's my personal driver, just for the record. And he's doing okay. He's, he's doing fine. But I've been spending two days with him, and I, I I've now I've spent two days with Gibbons, and now I got a Texas drawl. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, just tell him that sign that says 100 is not miles, Gibby. All right. <laughs> That's true. No, we 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 made uh, record time from Edmonton Airport to Lloydminster the day before yesterday. I think we're a little more conservative today. <laughs> so what 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 brought you to Alberta with uh, with the, the beloved former Blue Jays manager? Tell us the story here, John. Well, I tell you what, we got connected about six months ago with the the, the uh, local Alberta Junior Hockey League team, the Lloydminster Bobcats. There is some irony in the name Bobcats when you consider I worked with a guy named Bobcat for the last 20 years. Um, yeah. So that uh, we're it's their number one fundraiser of the year, and uh, Scott MacArthur, another guy from uh, from the east, and Gibbons and me, we had a great time with about 600 of our closest friends at Lloydminster last night. Excellent. Fabulous. Good. I hope you know when to steal third base at the end of this trip, uh, too. Uh, you know, I hope you get some strategy here from from Gibbons. <laughs> we, we we had a we had a straw poll, and we we think we got Gibbons, the manager of the Blue Jays' job, back last night. So. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, if it's going to a popular vote, you know it's Gibby. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, it is something. John, a lot of signs pointing here to Quinn Hughes being the next captain of the uh, Vancouver Canucks. We've had this discussion in the past. We're asking our Bodog poll question. Is he the best choice? What says you? Well, first of all, I'm on the record and I'm, I'm going to stay consistent. I, I'm not a big captain's guy. I, I think in 2023, what we keep hearing about uh, on every NHL team is leadership groups. And I think that's a better indication of how coaching staffs and management try to get to all of the players in the room. Um, I also love the way that JT Miller handles situations. We saw that during COVID. We saw it when the Canucks were set aside for a few weeks when everybody was sick and how he managed it and complained to the league publicly to get things changed. Um, so I like, I like his outspokenness. I don't think he needs a C on his sweater to be the captain. Um, that said, if you're going to point at one player that has leadership ability, that is going to be the future of the franchise, that you know is going to be here a while, uh, has great ped- pedigree when you think about his brothers and his father being so active in the in the hockey world. I don't think there's a better guy that you can find than Quinn Hughes. And if, if the Canucks feel that strength that they have to have a captain, mm. I don't think there's anybody better than Quinn Hughes. And, of course, part of uh, the captaincy is you actually have to want the appointment. And Quinn Hughes certainly sounded like he wanted the appointment last year, particularly towards the end of the year after Rick Talk had got in here, but throughout the year where he was far more assertive, everybody observed, than he had been in years past. And, of course, he's got a contract that carries him through with the Vancouver Canucks here right. for several and, years. And maybe, guys, this calms down some Canucks fans, too, because, of course, with two other brothers in the league, there's always going to be that, oh, does he want to go play and reunite all three? If he's got a C on his chest here, does that cement him into uh, Vancouver Canucks history a little bit more? Well, let's face it, because the Canucks never trade their captains, right? No, no, never. Oh. never. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Come on, it is less likely. Horvat did have a long tenure, so if if you add the Horvat tenure to to Hughes's name, uh, that guarantees him here for a while. By the way, nothing will calm down the angst of a Vancouver Canucks fan, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's true. That's true too. Winning, John. Winning will calm it down. Last we haven't had enough of that. You know what? Winning will calm it down to an extent. And then it will be like Toronto Blue Jay fans. They're not winning the right way. <laughs> oh, 100%. And then the fourth line winger breakdown gets hot and heavy. Yes. Hey, when, when Blake and I first started doing this show, Shannon, they were so bloody good that fourth line wingers were. Oh, we did whole shows on it. The yeah. only but, point of angst uh, yeah. uh, with this hockey club. Six <laughs> defensemen <laughs> and fourth line wingers, right, Blake? Yeah. Well, just to, just to put a, a punctuation mark on our discussion earlier about Lloydminster and being with Gibbons. I sat with 500 Oiler fans last night, and they talked about who was going to be the fourth-line center. And I said, if you're worried about the yeah. fourth-line center, you don't have very many problems. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's that's, that's first-place problems. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah, looking right. at trying to make the playoffs problems. Uh, and, John, a guy who can go a big way, and there was an article recently or locally here, Vancouver is awesome, on Philip Roenick and his off-season mm. training regimen. The guy looks absolutely shredded here. As he comes into his first Vancouver Canucks training camp, we didn't see a whole lot of him last year. It was a handful of games. He was clearly nursing an injury, but part part of the reason of why he's here, of course, is because the Detroit Red Wings thought he might be a tough guy to re-sign coming off a very good year last year. And we both think that that's really great for the Canucks, that you've got a motivated player here. Well, and, and the, the, two things on, the two things on that, Matt, um, you know, Steve Eiserman had a choice with Roenick long-term or, you know, he's got to have to worry about Mo Sider at a certain point. So they went with Sider and decided that he was going to be the guy that's going to be the cornerstone of their, their blue line. Roenick also, I guarantee you, heard a lot of the criticism when the trade occurred. Uh, and he knows that he's going to a tough market. He's going to have to prove himself. And he's going to be given an opportunity by a, a coaching staff and a management team that, that really do believe in him. And on the positive side, for me, for the Canucks, is you're not worried about drafting a guy and getting him up to an NHL level. you already got a guy at an NHL level, and he understands how to play this game. And I think if you look at where the Canucks are, with Rorik there, with Ian Cole there, this is the one part of the Canucks roster I think that is much improved and I think it's still I think that between now and I hate to mention this word the, the trade deadline I think that I think that the the defense score for the Canucks is still going to get even better uh, the countdown to uh Tyler Myers and September 15th bonus is on here uh but you know, are you still of the mind are you still seeing signs and still seeing enough teams that this could be a more active September than we are traditionally used to? Because, hey, we are guilty of pumping up the trade deadline, only to be disappointed. Yep. We are guilty of pumping up free agency activity, sometimes to be disappointed. We never pump up September, but could it be actually that there's some you know action not only for Vancouver, but, uh, but elsewhere? Game of poker right now, Blake, I think, uh, because there are still too many people over the, over the cap uh, that are, are playing in LTIR that are going to want to get themselves some relief for the regular season so that they have to do something urgently. I think it's between six and eight teams right now that are over. So I do, yes, expect to see some movement once camps start. Um, un- it's not normal that we see that in the NHL, but that's going to be a fact of life. And that's fun. I'm, I'm all for it. Let's have some tweets. Well, and, the other, and the other thing, on the Myers situation, um, you know, there's only one team going to be playing the bonus. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, no, of, yeah. Course. No, no, and, of course. No, but as soon as that, and then, and then, then he becomes, then he becomes somebody that you know, uh, you know, does a Mike Greer look at Tyler Myers and say he can help the the Sharks blue line or or or, or other teams that think that what Myers can do uh, can can make a difference in a, in a five six role. Just to put this to bed, in today's modern National Hockey League, is it possible that you have a back? drawer deal already done whether it's with san jose or anybody like can you keep that quiet enough can you keep everybody on task enough that that actually happens in today's nhl you think uh i, I think it's possible uh i think it ha- i think you have to have specific managers in mind um you know I, I know of two or three that would say if one word of this leaks out the deal's off right uh, you know, I mean, Lou, Lou's famous for that. If you know, po- pointing a finger across the desk and saying, "If you want to, if if you want to mention this and this gets out, I'm not making the deal." Yeah. Um, and and I and I think, and the other thing about this is that what's happening now, and I think managers starting to buy into this because you're seeing it in the press releases too. Is the teams are engineering so much of their own media and there's so much of their own news, they want to hold the news for themselves anyway. Right, and then because we're seeing them announce term and contract dollars in their in their media releases, which five years ago we wouldn't have seen. So I think that that's part now of of the culture of a hockey team: keep it secret, release it in your own uh, on your own Twitter or X account, uh, in your Instagram account, on your Facebook page, do your own stuff, and then we'll talk about it with the rest of the media. Mm. Uh, one more connects question for you before we move on here, John. But uh, Tanner Pearson, he looks healthy again or at least all the indications and reports are that he looks healthy again he's here skating he's even playing mm-hmm. golf locally how much do you think he can help after what was a wipeout season last year and multiple surgeries on that hand i, I don't know uh you know and you'd have to think that even if he's at 100 percent, it's going to take him from a conditioning perspective after missing so much hockey but he's still got it he's still got the the pedigree to be a National Hockey League player. You know, he's he just adds another depth piece to a team that really has improved its depth over the summertime. So I wouldn't be surprised to, you know, Pearson to to, to be a difference maker every once in a while for the Canucks if they stick with him. Will we be hearing from Hockey Canada and the 2018 World Junior long-awaited report here? Is that uh, I see some of that is out there. What's your information on that? Well, I think there's an expectation that uh, it has to happen before camps open. But the, the one group of people that are involved in this that don't have that deadline, if you want to call it that, is, is the, the city police in London, Ontario. So much of, because I do believe that everybody's trying to work in concert. You know, London City Police, the National Hockey League, Hockey Canada is now on the outside looking in in so many ways on this. But I, I do think that uh, when the NHL uh, have their release of what they think has gone on, it will be because the London City Police have also released their information. So NHL probably wants it done, uh, but London City Police, I don't think, as, as I understand it already yet. What's, what's your understanding of... Like, are we anticipating that those players are going to be ineligible to play NHL games this year? Like, what, what's your understanding of the consequences and what the, the scope? Like, what's the scope of the out? of right. the punishment? Well, when have when have we 
when have we seen anything like this before? I mean, the the Vo- Voinov would be right. comparable to some degree, but this is a group of players. It, yeah, it's, it's different, but I think there's a yeah. comparable yeah. there. But 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 Slava Voinov, correct me if I'm wrong, if I did it while he was an NHL player. Right. This, right. these, these kids were 18 years old. Yeah. 19 years old. They weren't National Hockey League players. They weren't members of the NHL Players Association. Right. Um, you know, they are going to pay the they are going to pay the price, uh, whether it's eight of them or five of them or four of them. Once the hearing and, and the results get made public, they're, they're going to pay a price that the NHL really, I don't think, has had to deal with something this that. Logan Mayu in London, Ontario, with what he did as a junior hockey player, is closer to this type of thing mm-hmm. than what happened with a with an active NHL player. So I, I don't know what the scope is. Uh, and, and Gary and Bill are keeping it very close to the vest, what the scope will be. But rest assured, uh, in 2023, the National Hockey League has heard all the noise and will, I think, probably be as harsh as they can't feel they can be for those that deserve to be punished. And people won't want to hear this, John, but you know what the league probably is going over to is what can they legally do um, in this situation? Because a player that doesn't like whatever punishment is meted out um, could say, you don't have the jurisdiction to punish me over this sort of thing. Uh, I'm sure there's some issues there too. Well, and, and you bring up a really good point, Blake, um, and you wonder what the role of the Players Association will be in this one. Mm-hmm. You know, because every time there's a suspension in the NHL, the the, the, the players' association goes to the uh, defense of the of the player that's being punished. What what can the PA do? This new new executive director of the players' mm-hmm. association. Uh, that I I think that this is. I don't think we've ever seen this, at least in my time. And and if somebody wants to correct me, I'm happy to to learn from it. And people often come to pe- people come often come in support of the PA during things like work stoppages and that sort of thing. It's a tricky uh, tricky high wire for the uh, PA to to walk along because they're going to come off as defending guys that are being accused of some pretty heinous things. Um, you know that's that's not a great PR look for the PA to to come to their defense. But the, and and what happens if the London City Police don't charge anybody? Right. Oh, it's, you know, it's the, complicated. The, the, league, still, the yeah. league still has the jurisdiction to suspend it based on the information that they have. Yeah, uh, and no, and nobody's putting their head in the sand to say nothing happened. Nobody's right. going to do that. So it, it it's it's well, I, I it's just, tricky. Yeah, it really it really is a and it's it's not a slippery slope. It's just different than anything I've ever contemplated. What's going to happen and and how many right. players are going to be involved and the level of it. I think one of the key things everybody has to understand in this one, the level of involvement of the alleged eight. What was the level of involvement of the alleged eight? And I think we have to measure that too. Yeah, and if, as for the PA uh, not looking great optically uh, if they come to the defense, I mean, part of their part of its foundational requirement is to represent members. Oh, I mean, sure. it's, it's yeah. almost, they're almost like, you know, but, but they almost like a defense that, attorney in, in but, some yeah. way. They weren't union members at the time. That's it. Uh, and I and I. So how does that fit in? And right, I don't envy Mr. Walsh in this one. Yeah. No, no, uh, nor do I. Um, speaking of uh, matters off ice, and you've talked to this, uh, you've talked to the on this subject with us in the past. Joel Quenville, Stan Bowman, addressed the GM's coaches' meetings outside of Chicago. They were 
Invited by Gary Bettman, they declined to speak to reporters. Bettman said they were there voluntarily to share their experiences. It almost sounds like this is part of their penance and, and cautionary tales for the managers and coaches that they addressed. As for reinstatement, the commissioner said he has not yet gotten um, – let me get the exact words. I still have to make a judgment as to when or whether it's appropriate for them to be reinstated. So that's not a question I'm prepared to answer now. Do you have any sense on when he might be uh, prepared to answer that question on Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman? No. Um, you know, I mean, this is another one that we have never seen before. And I, I and I think that it's such a, a touchy sh- subject. Um, and... I think Gary, Gary, the one thing I've learned about being around Gary and working with the man is he, he does understand timing. Um, and do you want to reinstate two people who should be reinstated at a time where many people, particularly uh, in and around the Chicago Blackhawk organization, are finally getting over what happened? Um, and they're trying to turn a new page with Connor Bedard in Chicago and not that people should forget what happened, because we should never forget what happened, but there, the, the, the moment of when to release his decision is probably as difficult in the Quinville-Bowman situation as it is w- with the alleged eight. And so that, to me, it, it's fascinating. I, would, I might even suspect that we might be waiting a little longer uh, for Joel and Stan than we will the the eight players yeah. just because I, I think that, you know, there's a real feeling that Chicago is on its way back. They have done a good job in the market of trying to apologize. The passing of Rocky Wirtz. Um, this is not the time to just from a, a, an optics point of view, this is not the time to allow Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman to come back. Plus, if you're the league, you're sort of forced to clean up that brand and that franchise because you're going to have a face of the league playing well, for that, that well, that's, for that emblem. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. That's, that's exactly the point. And, yeah. and and you know, it's 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 a and here and here's the other thing. And this is this is the pragmatic Shannon saying this. The moment Joel Quinville becomes available, how many coaching positions are available? Yeah, I'm right. Not same, I'm not saying the same for Stan. And that's not a that's not reflecting that Stan's a bad GM. Stan's done a good job as a general manager and an assistant GM. But the moment the moment Joel Quinville's on the market, yeah. how many coaches are on the hot seat? Yeah, absolutely. John, one week from today, Canucks play Calgary. Wow. The Young Stars in Penticton. So we're getting close. Thank you for your time, sir. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch up. Well, I'm sure yeah, you guys are in Penticton. I'll probably be on a golf course somewhere in Banff. So oh, really? Oh. Not, that, not that far away. Okay. Look we'll talk you. to you from Banff. We'll talk to you from Banff next week. Let's Marvelous. Do it. Thanks, John. Cheers, boys. Secure some price from Wall Center. Presentation Apple at Auto Group. Hashtags is the best and worst of Twitter.com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick and Jason Don Morgan. Jason recently got a Secure some price listener who's thinking of buying. Approved and locked in the rate for four months. Soon thereafter, rates increased two, two and a half percent. Jason saved the money. And hey, if rates go down, this listener can always readjust. Jason will tend to the details. Find him at Jason. Don Morgan, I'm going to start us off here, Blake, with uh, the arrival of Pew Suter. 
to Vancouver. Yeah. At Canucks Reporter, this is Kate Pedersen, their new social media reporter. If you don't know, give her a follow. Pia Sitter has landed in Vancouver, says he's enjoyed what he's seen of downtown and is going to buy a bike this afternoon. Okay. Also said he stayed up late to have dinner so the jet lag wasn't too bad. There you go. They land in Vancouver and they say to themselves, what a beautiful city. I've got to see it by bike. Hopefully he wears a helmet. Mm-hmm. And he rides in the bike lanes, of course. Yes, please. Right. You don't want to see him being one of those people who likes to ride down the sidewalk here on Hornby. Oh. I'm carrying did my you, coffees did, in the morning. Did you almost get run over? Is this a recent gripe? Yeah, but then it almost mm-hmm. turned into me running him over. I've seen, oh, you're a I, truck. Shoulder check. I've oh, seen boy. guys riding bikes down Hornby <laughs> on the sidewalk Yeah, with the bike lane 11 feet across it's, the street. It's right there. I'm, it's right there. I want no to sense. give them the benefit of the doubt that they just took a turn. And they mm. just came yep. there, and they're like, oh, there's the bike lane. Uh-huh. I'm going to make the jump over on it's, the next block. It happens no. too often. But I'm not holding my breath. No. Blake, the uh, sunny weekends on Cornwall, the bike lane is one street up on York. Yeah. It's really effective, too. And yet some will be on Cornwall, which is, if it's not choked with traffic, a little bit, I would imagine, harrowing on a bike. They want the view, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Tempting. I will say this, though. I, I was one of many who thought, oh, man, another bike lane on Burrard Bridge is going to be choked with traffic. What a bad idea, blah, blah, blah. It hasn't been that bad. In fact, it's no. worked out. Both things on Burrard. We, we predicted doom and gloom for both uh, bike lanes. and it's, Okay. <laughs> now we'll see about taking down the viaducts and what that. Yeah. Uh, at PPA Tour, it's the Carvana <laughs> Pro Pickleball Association. Oh, Jeannie. Let's go. Jeannie Bouchard is joining the PPE Tour in 2024. We can't wait to welcome her to the tour next year. Yesterday, and this was even before this news dropped, for some reason we were on this beat. And I said, have you seen what Pro Pickleball looks like? I said, the problem is is that a lot of people look at it and go, I can do, I that. Can do that. And I showed you a clip of a long rally. In, pro, in the PPA tour, yeah. and you absolutely got the feeling I can do that. I don't necessarily understand the rules, so I don't understand why the rally was happening in tight quarters in the at kitchen, a very slow yeah. pace. Yeah. What I do know is that it was not particularly aesthetically pleasing or compelling. It was not awe-inspiring. And I don't doubt that playing pickleball is an awful lot of fun. It is very popular. For all ages. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure it's going to work as spectator sport. No, not everything that's fun. Like, hey, that beach game spike ball that's taken off so much. Fun, fun little beach game. But do you need to televise it really or make a pro it, association it, about it, it? No. It's really annoying. <laughs> it takes no, up a lot of space. We spent enough time <laughs> at, at Kitts Beach, Jericho Beach, Spanish Bay. Invariably, the ball is going to bounce into somebody else's area. That is my one conclusion about spike ball is that invariably you are going to disrupt someone if not hit someone with a ball. Yeah, it's not really a beach thing. It's a park thing. You need to be in a big park. You You need more room than most players and games allow for in the tight quarters of Vancouver beaches. Yes, that's true. At Dash in the Park. Say these two old guys. 
sure that ball doesn't land in my yard. So help me if that ball comes near my blanket. <laughs> uh, at Dash in the Park, breaking ahead of rumors suggesting Hockey Canada may be releasing a story tomorrow. At least five 2018 World Junior players from Team Canada have gone private on Instagram in the last few hours. One of them is former Canuck Jonah Gadjevich, who we always enjoyed our dealings with. Wow. I don't think that was on my radar. No, Dylan Dubé, Tyler Steenburgen, uh, amongst others. We'll see what the report says. Katie Strang, who's been working this story, says, according to London police spokesperson, reached this morning in the investigation of the 2018 World Junior sexual assault allegations remain, quote, active and ongoing. But as we know, there are parallel investigations here. And it has been rumored for much of the summer that we are going to hear what happened via Hockey Canada, and we are going to know which players yeah. were implicated. Yeah, it could get really messy for a bunch of young hockey players here in the next 24 hours. At Amia Senbia, Bayern and Germany, Harry Kane and Alfonso Davies nominated for the Bundesliga Player of the Month Award uh, Fonzie's off to a uh, rip-roaring start, and the rumors about him going to Real Madrid do not disappear. And it's almost like he's playing to get the transfer done. Like he, It's almost like he he wants to tempt Real so that they'll just back up the Brinks truck to Bayern and take mm. him over. It feels like that, but, um, but who knows? I mean, just flatly thinking of it, Blake, a Canadian starring for Bayern... And on the verge of a massive transfer within to Europe to yeah. Real. Yeah. It's pretty heady stuff <laughs> it is. for Canadian yeah. soccer. Uh, lastly, for me at J Dunk 12, Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation. Rogers' overtime win in the Labor Day Classic helped CFL record highest average TV ratings week since before the pandemic. The Riders Bombers game, and it was a classic, fantastic game if you watched it on Sunday. 979,000 tuned in. It's the highest rated CFL game of the year. The weekend averaged 632,000 on English television. If you throw in RDS and those who watched En Francais, the Lions beat the Owls. It's 675,000. And then this was an interesting juxtaposition from Dunk. Of course, Labor Day Monday, there was competition because the Blue Jays were in Oakland playing a matinee game right up against the Battle of Ontario and um, later the Battle of Alberta. So 775,000 people watched the Blue Jays game, of which 196,000 were in the 25 to 54 age demo. Two CFL games actually beat them in that, in that demo. The Winnipeg Saskatchewan game did 326 in that demo, and the Edmonton Calgary game did 220 in that demo. So, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the CFL continues to be a fascination on Canadian television, even with cord cutting and ratings plummeting pretty much across the board. And it also tells us that, you know, those the prairie provinces in Alberta, it still does a pretty young audience. Crazy. Or at think. least it yeah. competes. In that younger demographic. Uh, and, and a lot of people in Toronto and Vancouver are not going to understand any of these numbers. How, how, how? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, well, middle part of Canada just adores the league. Well, and, you know, we used to occasionally get the, you know, guys, why do you talk CFL? Who cares? 
my answer was on a you know usually hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions. Yeah. Uh, so well done by the CFL. This has been a very good year for them, ratings wise. And that's hashtags for today. <whistles> Well, fast forward one year, and people are wondering, did the Seahawks win the NFC? This was not the conversation we were having last year, and it's our pleasure to welcome back to the program retired Army Captain Greg Bell of the News Tribune in Tacoma on the Seahawks beat. How are we doing, Captain? I'm well, guys. This must be major for you to call me to, to bring it. It must be a big deal. You're well, like my you're like my daughter, twenty year old daughter in Connecticut. She only calls when she needs something. That's fine. <laughs> we are needy. We are needy. That's true. That's true. Blake, at this point, I feel like I need to put it on the record. We tried to buy Captain Bell and his beautiful wife Wendy dinner at Jason Seattle weekend. He was having none of it. He literally fought me for the billfold <laughs> to make sure. Oh, hand to hand combat. I can still do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And he warns me at one point, look, if you keep this up, I am trained. <laughs> so Matt's pumping up the Seahawks, but are they going to zag when, when we think they're going to zig because we'd, we'd written them off for the last couple of years and they've surprised us, but now are they going to underwhelm us when we <laughs> expect something? It's kind of how this league is Blake, but Here's what it comes down to, guys. They have the weapons on offense. They have added Jackson Smith and Jigba to Lockett and Metcalf. They have a 1,000-yard rusher coming back, Kenneth Walker. Their offensive line is better than it's been in years and younger. Their secondary is loaded. Now the top, the fifth pick in the draft added to it, a Pro Bowl corner, Woolen coming back. But are they better in the trenches? Are they physical enough to deal with San Francisco? And if that question alone isn't a yes – then they aren't going to be any better than last year. That San Francisco will test whether they are better than the 30th-ranked run team and run defense that they were last year. And San Francisco will test whether they can sustain drives on third downs and run the ball. If they can't beat San Francisco, guys, they won't win the NFC West. And if they don't win the NFC West, their franchise history says they will have road playoff games and lose in mid-January and be done. What do you anticipate for Geno Smith's encore? You know – Matt, I think his numbers may I – mean, I don't think he's going to duplicate. It'd be a tall order to 4,100 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 70% completion rate lead the league. But if he doesn't match it, it doesn't mean he hasn't had as good of a season. He has more weapons to spread the ball around to, as I mentioned. And he's got Walker now. Zach Charbonnet, the second-round pick from UCLA, is a really underrated – Smith and Jigba's getting all the attention – but Charbonnet can have a huge impact in allowing getting the carries and allowing Walker the rest to get him through 17 games. The NFL and the Seahawks in particular, its history's proven. If you try to run a back now 20 plus carries in the, this day and age, he's not going to last. He's going to get hurt and end up on injured reserve. They think with Charbonneau getting maybe eight, 10 carries and 15 to 18 for Walker, that they can get both of them through the season and have the running attack that then would allow the offensive line to give Smith the time they did in the first half of last season. Smith, with time and a run game, can find those receivers down the field. I I think Smith's not going to throw for 4,100 yards and 70% completion, yet I think he's going to have a better season. Yeah, Charbonnet sounds like he's playing left wing for the Canadians. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and you're right. Um, we saw at the end of last year, Greg, when the running backs got hurt and the running game dried up and it was all on Geno's shoulders, 
that he struggled in that spot. It was sort of my follow-up. Do, do you think if it needs to fall on his shoulders, he's better equipped to do that this year? Because let's face it, I think he was surprising everyone, including himself last year with the way the season went. Yeah, he was. And to your point, Matt, the worst games that Kenneth Walker had or the games he missed, Carolina at home, they lost. And he played hurt the following week after he missed that Carolina game. Only 12 carries for 47 yards against San Francisco. They lost at home again. He got throttled by Tampa Bay and really didn't get the ball early in the game in Munich. They fell behind 21-3 and lost. Smith had his worst completion percentage of the season, 58% for a game with two interceptions against Carolina when Walker wasn't back there injured in early December. The fall off in Smith directly correlates the fall off in the run game, as you mentioned. That's how important Charbonnet could be to them, to allow Walker the chance to get through an entire season healthy. And then, yes, I think Smith is better equipped because of two guys, because of Smith and Jigba on third down. Teams can't – they can if they want, but if they continue to do what they've done on third downs in recent seasons, which is bracket coverage, a safety over the top, and a corner underneath Metcalf, and sometimes Metcalf and Lockett, if they do that – it's going to be a safety or a nickel on Smith and Jigba one-on-one, and the Seahawks will throw to him all season. He'll have a Pro Bowl season if teams stay in that coverage. So Smith is better equipped for a better season if he has that running game behind him, and we'll see. Honestly, guys, we won't know truly if this team is better on the line of scrimmage until Thanksgiving night when they play the Niners the first time. And it doesn't matter how good linebacking in the secondary has has got if the trend, if the defensive line is as questionable as as we have it as right now because it did seem like they were building a bit of a legion of boom 2.0 but it, does that is that uh, neither here nor there if the if the line isn't there well not quite Blake because this is still of course a passing league and teams yeah. are going to foremost try to beat you in the air but it's the the one team in the league that is not like that is San Francisco. And the one team that they have to beat to get to where they want to go is San Francisco. If they were in another division, I would say, okay, the run defense isn't as big a deal. But the team you have to beat to win and get home playoff games is that team that runs straight at you and has a fullback in Ustech. And Kyle Shanahan runs Debo Samuel on end rounds and Ayuk and all that. And if they can't deal with that better than 150-plus yards rushing a game, then that's why I'm saying they'll be a wild card and be out in the round two of the playoffs again. But the rest of their schedule, they are the defensive secondary is the strength of the team. And in this league, if your secondary is a strength, you're probably going to have a good defensive season anywhere but against San Francisco. Now, the 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 weaknesses of this team were plain to see. You know, is this a lot of pressure on Pete Carroll and, and Josh Schneider? Just the fact that they, they knew what they had to do. Did they do enough in the offseason to address these issues? Well, they tried, Blake. I mean, hundred up to $124.5 million in new contracts just in the defensive front seven. $51 million of that went to Draymond Jones from Denver in the very first day of free agency, which they never do. This team, as we know, waits till it drives fans nuts in the entire Pacific Northwest screaming about how they aren't signing anybody in early March when everybody else is. And then they get these one-year deals at the second and third waves of free agency to drive guys, players, or fans nuts. They did exactly opposite with Draymond Jones. Then they brought Jaron Reed back. Uh, they are asking a preponderance from Jaron Reed. I mean, a lot. He's never been a nose three-four nose tackle. He's thirty years old in his eighth season. 
They're going to ask him to be head up on the center. They're going to ask him to shade the center. They're going to ask him to be a three technique out with the guard tackle. He is the fulcrum of their deep center run defense. If it doesn't work for Jaron Reed, it doesn't work because behind him, they have two rookies, Mike Morris and Cameron Young, who really haven't played much in the preseason because of injury. And then they have a practice squad, Matt Gotell, practice squad player who was off the street, a tryout guy from Lakewood down here in Tacoma. And that's about it because Brian Monet is still injured and probably not coming back anytime soon. He's on the pup list to begin this season after a major knee injury back in December. Their depth at defensive tackle is really thin. Then they re-sign in Chenna and Wosu. When Wosu is bigger, he's bigger up top this year. He was a straight-up-the-field speed pass rusher, as we saw last year, and got nine-and-a-half sacks doing that. They're going to ask him to be more of an edge-setting run guy, too, on every downs. And they're going to ask their three, four outside linebackers, Boy Mafia on the other side, to be more run stoppers than straight up the field quarterback seekers, which they were most of last season. Mm-hmm. Guys, they would just run three, four linebackers would just run straight up the field outside of the run lanes and take themselves out of run plays. They didn't have to be blocked. And teams would just run off tackle for 150 yards a game on them. That's going to change this year. They're going to keep those guys, I think, more at home. We'll see if it works, but like I said, Blake, I don't think we're going to know if it works until Thanksgiving night when they play the Niners the first time. You mentioned Reed bringing him back, but of course they also brought back Super Bowl champion Bobby, Bobby yeah, Wagner to uh, to help fix the run defense. How's he looked? What are you anticipating in his second go around? He, he, you know, he looks fast, faster than he was the last time he was here. No kidding. He, he was getting exploited the end of his first Seahawks tenure in the past game especially. And teams would send backs and tight ends and some crossers across in front of his face. And he had a hard time sometimes keeping up with them. He looks refreshed. Uh, he certainly has the leadership impact and the, the, the cachet that this team that has 41% first and second year players are bowing to him and doing everything he says and listening to everything he's talking about. And that alone has helped this locker room. People forget that this team, For yeah, they have Geno Smith and they have Wagner and they have Diggs and they have Jamal Adams. They are still really young. As I said, 41% of the team is first and second year guys. They've turned over the roster here in the last two years. They started over at quarterback with a guy who hadn't started in seven years, yet they've maintained this playoff run nine times in the last 11 years. That's a real testament to the culture that Pete Carroll has and some of the, the signings and drafts that John Schneider has had. 18 of the last 19 draft picks, guys, are on the current roster. That's not a mm. very common thing in the NFL. Can I, can I ask an unpopular question? Yeah, sure. What if Geno Smith is <clears throat> the old Geno Smith? <laughs> what are they is – uh, is it Drew Locke? Or? The first thing that comes to mind is I don't think we'll be talking to Captain Bell very often. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <it's> true. <laughs> yeah, relevancy <laughs> will be, go down a little bit. Yeah, you'll be – No fault of yours, Craig. You'll be having Canucks – Early seasons, morning skates. Yeah. If the Seahawks are, uh, he'll have us talking to Bears insiders for uh, God's hey, sake. So hey, I, don't I, sleep on my Bears. So I'm not hoping for it. But <laughs> like, is there a break? You know, in case of emergency, break glass scenario here or what? Well, only because of injury. I don't see because of the 105 million dollar contract. Yes, they can get out of it after a year. I don't see them benching Geno Smith after what he's done. They just gave him a captaincy for the first. He said it was the first time he's been a captain since his West Virginia days. That 11 years ago, I don't see them benching them. They have an offensive philosophy that could play around a quarterback struggling by running the ball more. And I think the weapons he has in the past in the receiving game will keep him from just completely tanking the season. But to your point, 
Gene, uh, Drew Locke did prove to Pete Carroll, and he had to do some proving this summer, but he proved to Carroll that if he really needs to play, maybe he won't have the gunslinger mentality of whipping the ball around recklessly, and he can keep from turning over. Now, he was facing second and third stringers in preseason games, granted, but just the mentality change that Locke had this summer, he was much less freewheeling with the ball. He didn't fumble. He fumbled three different times in two preseason games last year. He didn't do that this preseason. There's a trust factor now that if Smith goes down, they won't have to change the offense a lot for Drew Locke. Heck, they gave him $4 million, which isn't chump change for a guy that they don't expect to take a snap. It's only a one-year deal, but that continuity in second year with both Smith and Locke means that if it is emergency break class, they'll go to Locke and not change their offense. We were wondering the other day what this team would look like if not for the Jamal Adams trade. I know that's revisionist history, and of course, Garrett Wilson had a sensational rookie year for the Jets at wide receiver. What are they going to get out of Jamal Adams this year, Greg, and at what position? (laughs) Well, they're not going to get a defensive tackle who can stop the run, which is what they need, (laughs) and they don't have two first-round picks that they would have had, and they would have had 70 million more dollars to spend elsewhere on other positions than Mm. they spent on one safety. This team has $115 million wrapped into two safeties, guys. I mean, that's cornerback edge rusher money for most teams. And they're doing it at safety. And one of those safeties has barely played in the last two seasons. He's not yet back. He's going to, they're going to try to have him back next to practice next week. Talking about Adams. He'll miss this game Sunday. And they're going to see if he can come back next week to practice the fact they didn't put him on the pup list, which he was on at start training camp to start this season, means they think he'll be back before the first four games of the season are up because pup list guys would miss the first four games at least. When they do play him, Matt, they're going to play him like they did the first season he was here, which is at the line of scrimmage as a wild card hybrid linebacker, edge rusher, pass rusher, a blitzer, which means they're going to have three safeties on the field because they love what new Julian Love brings them from the Giants. And the hope, it'll be Love back with Diggs. It'll be Adams in the box as another run stopper. He won't, he'll be a safety on paper, but he'll be a linebacker edge guy in practicality. Is that enough? It could help the run defense, but he needs to have a big, big turnover sack season to justify the investment they've had in him. Yeah. He just renegotiated his contract this week, guys, and it now has his cap number at 27 million next year. So if they wanted to cut him, it would be a 20-plus million dollar cap hit to do it. So he's going to be here for a couple more seasons at least. They are literally banking, as in $70 million, that he's going to give them yeah. credit for it. <laughs> Last question, Captain Bell. What's your forecast? What do you what do you see record-wise for this club, and is it a playoff team? You know, I think they're better equipped. It's certainly a better team on offense. Smith and Jigba and Charbonnet make them better on offense. But I think they're going to have a similar season in terms of wins and playoffs. I think they're going to be a 10-win season, a 10-win team, because I don't think they've done enough to close the gap on San Francisco. I think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl if they can stay healthy. And that's whether Brock Purdy has his year he had last year or not. They're so well-equipped outside of the quarterback to do that. And as I've said, they are best at what the Seahawks are worst, and that is physicality along the line of scrimmage, running the ball and stopping the run, that alone is going to keep the Seahawks from winning the division. And if they don't win a division, they're not getting far in the playoffs. I see them maybe winning a road wild card game and losing in the second round and the 49ers passing them again and going to the Super Bowl. 
Well, it should be interesting. We'll watch um, with fascination on Sunday and beyond. Captain Bell, thank you for your time. You have a marvelous season. We shall uh, call on you again, sir. Anytime, uh, anytime. Much like a don't be so sparse. I know once the pucks yeah. drop, I won't hear from you. I get well, it. Well, <laughs> hey, hey, we already know you've got a 20-year-old in your life calling you and asking you if she can charge this and that. So Exactly. <laughs> At least you haven't asked me to charge this and that, so thank you. <laughs> thank you, Greg. All, All right, right, guys. Sir. Take care. Be well. versus P, our Friday debate segment, pitting Blake against yours truly. This presentation of Lyona, 1611 BC Labor, BC's Laborers Union. They have contractors looking for their members to hire today. Check out 1611.ca. Lyona 1611 has your back. Speaking of, welcome back to mm-hmm. the segment. Yeah, uh, Jeff mopped the floor with me last week at the Canucks closed the gap on the Western Conference playoff teams. He won 77-33% on Twitter. He said yes. Or sorry, 23%. He said yes. Yeah, Yeah, he had the easier argument. Does the judge not get a welcome back to? 55-32 on YouTube. Nothing for the judge. Well, he's not a judge. He's a mediator. We have yet to. Yes. He's an administrator. Exactly. He's He's not an officer of the court. Come on. Paralegal. Um, Exactly. Uh, you're six, two, and three against me this year. It's a good start. And uh, today's poll or today's topic: Does captaincy matter? I'll argue, I'll argue yes. Blake will argue no. Two minutes per argument. Mediator Grady Sass presiding. And a reminder: We're voting here on who made the better arguments, not how we feel about the question. Mm-hmm. We're not asking your opinion, so please check all your biases preconceived notions at the jury room door you want to go first you want to shoot second um i'll go first okay all right blake yeah your two minutes begins now you know when captains really matter on the battlefield in the fire hall and a grade school recess that's where captaincy is at its peak in pro sports nowadays It's all about leaders, plural. The captain will face more questions from the media, but apart from that, it's an honor, but one without much tangible difference from any other leader in the room. Football might have it best. You know in the NFL they allow six captains per team? Six. So effectively they've taken all of the alternate captains, or the A's as we see them in hockey, and made them all captains. Now granted a bigger roster, but even on scale you'd see, what, three captains per NHL team then? Because it's going to be multiple players adding their two cents and leading the team either via words or example. This isn't government. You don't need the buck to stop with one individual. And the media demands on that one guy, well, that doesn't seem very fair either. It's a long season. Spread the love and responsibility out some more. Do you honestly think Henrik Sedin led more than Daniel? No, not really. You really believe Henrik spoke to the group more than Bieksa or Gessler? Have you heard those guys? Not a chance. The group manages the group. If you're this hell-bent on the honor and tradition, how about one center as a captain, one winger as a captain, one defenseman as a captain? 
Goalies, uh, they crazy. The team has its core. All with their varying strengths, they all should have their say. The captain just doesn't matter. There it is. I rest my case. All right, Matthew. I don't like you when you smirk. uh, There's plenty of rebuttal material there. Oh, is there? Okay. I'm glad you went first. (laughs) (laughs) Do we allow rebuttals in the arguments? You go first. Of course, one can address what the other has argued. Refer to my S versus P rule book here that I've yet to put together. No, you're allowed to say whatever the hell you want. You don't submit your arguments beforehand. There are no fences here. No. Exactly. All right, all right. Matthew, your Mm -hmm. two minutes begins now. If captains didn't matter, why would so many teams have one? Is it not a best practice? And not just in the not just in the world of hockey. You may have noticed the NFL and the Major League Baseball are moving that way as well. You see more season jerseys there. With regards to Blake's point about six NFL captains, a plurality of captains only makes captains captaincy more meaningful. Look, I don't dispute that an expanded leadership group is the way a lot of teams are moving. But let's not get that confused and throw the baby out with the bathwater. That, an expanded leadership group, in and of itself, does not make the captaincy or the captain moot. In fact, I think it only empowers the captain further because they have the support of a leadership committee. Because at the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision, be held responsible for that decision, and communicate that decision outwardly and internally. That's a captain's job, a leader's job. Again, if teams want to go out there with three alternates and no captain, so be it. It can be effective, even if it's less ideal. And to address the question, even if a, a group of A's is the format, that doesn't mean the captaincy doesn't matter. Both things can be true. What's also true, as Blake acknowledges, a designated leader or leaders is how human society organizes itself. In politics, in military, Firefighting, as he pointed out, in art and in sport. That's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going short. I'm going short too. No cadence to wow. end it off. I really feel like you argued my point. That's great. Thank you. You both no, left I, like 15, yeah. 20 seconds on the board. Yeah. There is no bonus points for that. Anyways, over to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's Good nuance luck. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who won? S versus P, a presentation of La Una 1611. BC Laborers Union, check out 1611.ca. La Una has your back. from Wall Center, presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's a great clips text message inbox. Great clips. It's going to be great. Results from yesterday's Bodog poll question. We asked you biggest curiosity at Canucks training camp. The options were Brock Besser, Phil Brona, Gillian McKay of Tanner Pearson. Blake, who won the poll? Uh, Brock Besser. No. No. Kronick. Really? Got 46% of the vote. In fact, he more than doubled Besser, who was just under 22. Mm. 
Pearson at 18%, McCaff at 14.5%. So hmm. very uh, balanced voting across the board there. Almost the exact same on YouTube, too. Hmm. Derek says McCaff simply because his potential is way higher. I want Pearson to be well and have a good career, but we're okay without him. Dude deserves a, a fresh start. Um, Drew says, great poll question. Definitely made me think. Got to go with Ronick. If he can prove to be a top pair quality red shot defenseman, it's a game changer. Uh, Ocean Park Nancy says, I'm going with Ronick. And shout out, Nancy. Since we barely got a sample size from him last year. Cap Space Andy. Pearson, is he healthy? If so, how far behind game speed is he? Where does he fit in the lineup? There are so many questions. And Glenn says, methinks Ronick will be fine. Just need McKayev to get better. I'm most concerned with him. Same time, Brock needs a big year, a bigger year than most. He deserved it, deserves it after the things he's gone through. Coca-Cola kid on YouTube. Five. Looking for big steps from guys like Podsy and Hoggy mm-hmm. as they're at important junctions in their careers. Right. We got a lot of write-in for Hoaglander and for um, and uh, Pod Colson, and, and understandably so. But that's that's ultimately going to be a big-picture curiosity. I, I think people in the shorter term mm-hmm. yeah. are looking at these guys. Yeah. You know. Backup goaltending, Billy Joe on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We considered that for a moment, but then went, it's the backup. Yeah. Like I always say, one of the most underrated parts of <laughs> team building. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this guy is goaltending. All right. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Grady, I have none. Not a here. Oh, wow. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got. Bit of a flyer here. Uh, it's one of the specials for the Seahawks game. Mm-hmm. And um, given the season ending game log of Cam Akers and the fact that the Seahawks... He was good at the end of the yes, last season. Yeah, yeah. he finished I really strong. Uh, what is it? I'm going to get it up here. Three straight games of 100 yards Rams uh, rushing. were pretty good at the end of last season, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So, you know, teams know that the Seahawks haven't been very good defending the run. I think he's going to get a chance to run. And, and the other way, I think the Seahawks want to run too. So Akers and Kenneth Walker... To have hundred yard rushing games, get this wow. plus twenty two hundred. Yeah, I would think so. Like those are those are huge odds for something that I think could happen. Well, I think both teams want to run the ball, yeah. so I think I'm picking up what you're putting down there. That's worth a punt. If it, if it was less, I wouldn't be as attracted. But that's a huge odd. Yeah, I mean, hundred yards rushing is tough to get these days yeah. in the NFL, given yeah. how little teams run the ball and when they do, how they do so typically by committee, but. Yeah, you're looking at something here where two teams want to establish the run this year, where they feel like they have tailbacks that are better than the other guys. Yeah, I like it. I wish I'd seen it on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. Reminder, subscribe to us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social. That's Insta, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.